the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Five minutes after five o'clock, Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs today. News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you. Hey, there was one thing I didn't mention in an hour where I spent a lot of time talking about Leslie Harrod, Denver mayoral candidate, and Tay Anderson, one of her mentees who's on the school board for Denver Public Schools. And, of course, Leslie Harrod is in the state House of Representatives. Leslie Harrod currently represents House District 8, and she's running for mayor. Well, Tay, last week, I think it was, sometime last week, made a post on social media in which he revealed that he has moved to House District 8. Now, why would you specifically say you moved to a particular House district? Nobody normally says that unless they are setting themselves up such that if Leslie Harrod becomes mayor, then there's going to be a House vacancy position. And what does that mean? A vacancy committee, a Democrat vacancy committee will get to fill that seat. And it might just be Tay Anderson. And by the way, as former Denver Public Schools board member Jennifer Bacon, who's on in the state House of Representatives right now but didn't run for re-election for the school board, so she's no longer on the school board, as she proved, you can serve both in the state House and on the school board. So there is no reason to think that if Tay Anderson were to replace Leslie Harrod if she becomes mayor in the House, that he would not stay on the school board and be both a school board member and a state representative. Now, is that not a dystopian future for those who live in House District 8 and all of Denver? Just uh, something to, to keep in mind, especially as we talk now about education in particular and specifically a very important thing, which is parental rights in education. Right now, we are seeing significant increases in a discussion about parental rights, and rightly so, because increasingly we are seeing school districts push aside parents. And it's unacceptable, and it means that parents need to know What tools are available to push back and to ensure that they have their say? This is especially relevant right now when we got news today that Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio issued a series of subpoenas yesterday aimed at senior executives of the National School Boards Association as part of an investigation into the organization's push to have the Biden administration crack down on parent protesters who they accused of engaging in domestic terrorism. So 
speaking up for parental rights is somehow domestic terrorism. Let's talk about all this in an upcoming event this Sunday where you can learn some great skills about ensuring parental rights in education. If you are a parent, your parental rights in your education with two incredible women who join me now here on the program. I am pleased to speak with Tamara Farah, who's with Freedom Works, Parents Know Best, and Lori Gimmelstein, founder of Colorado Parent Advocacy Network, who are both co-hosting an event this Sunday, which I have the great privilege of emceeing. Tamara, Lori, welcome to the program. It's good to have you both. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you great much. to be here. Yes. Great, great to have you both. And uh, I, I think it's it's so important to have a discussion, not just about okay, you got this event that's coming up, and we'll get to what's coming up on on Sunday, but about the issue of parental rights in and of itself, and what the state is right now of parental rights in education. So, Tamara Farah, again, you're with Freedom Works. Parents know best. How would you assess right now the current state of parental rights in education? And is there anything that you make of Jim Jordan saying, you know what, we're going to really dig in to this claim that has been bandied about and pushed by the Biden administration that parents advocating for their rights and their kids' education is domestic terrorism? (laughs) Yes, I'm so glad he's doing that. Um, And I would love to weigh in on that real quick for your listeners uh, please go to parentsknowbest.com and then click on our menu for upcoming events and you will be able to register for this event on Sunday at 2.30 p.m. at St. Thomas More Church. They're being gracious enough to host us, allow us to use their facility. Um, and we look so forward to equipping and mobilizing parents in Colorado to exercise their rights. And it is so critical. Jimmy, you asked, you know, why is this so important? What's happening with parental rights? I would say one of the number one things I see is that parents don't know their rights and you can't do something you don't understand or you even know about, right? Step number one. Number two, they're being very much, they're very much intimidated by their school officials. So the educrats, if you will, the bureaucrats that control education within districts, even teachers. Teachers don't understand parental rights, uh, I doubt, highly, if they really know what those rights are. And then parents don't know either. And so we have to equip parents. This is what we will be doing at our event. I will be doing, um, I'm one of three speakers, and then we have two amazing panels. And uh, I will be giving an intensive and yet it will be hitting the highlights because we only have so much time. And we will have a parental rights guidebook to hand out to every person who attends. But we will talk about what are your rights according to federal law? What are they according to state law and according to court precedent? And parents that come or residents that want to push back at what's happening at schools at the district, you know, in the schools or at the school district level, they will be empowered and equipped kindly and politely be bold to exercise those rights. And so we also have, of course, you're about, I'm sure, to introduce um, our other co-host with Colorado Parents Advocacy Network, Lori Gimmelstein. She will be uh, working with us as well to host the Parents 
panel. She has amazing parents that have experience trying to push back um, on the schools and bring up the issues that are violating the rights of parents. Mm -hmm. And also have a parental expert panel. And we have Nikki Neely coming in from Parents Defending Education, talking about legal recourse. What steps can you take if your rights, you believe your rights are being directly violated? Um, and we can get into a few specifics as we move on. But um, we also have Christine Yergin, and she has a great millennial mom story about what's happening actually at a charter school that she believes is allowing parental rights to be violated. So lots to talk about, Jimmy, and we're excited to have you with us as well. Tamara Farah, again, is with FreedomWorks. We've also got Lori Gimmelstein with Colorado Parent Advocacy Network. And, and Lori, I want to build off of the breakdown that uh, Tamara just offered of, of the event on Sunday, but get a little bit more into the issues here, because whether it is what Jim Jordan is now looking into, which is the declaration in some corners, including pushed by the Biden administration, that parents advocating for their rights in education are somehow domestic terrorists onto the actual issues of parental rights being all too often trampled upon in education. There's there's a lot going on here that's problematic. Of course, this has led to the creation last year of CPAN, again, Colorado Parent Advocacy Network. But how do you look at what things are like right now in parental rights and why we need to have these discussions and equip parents with a better understanding of how to protect and exercise their rights in their kids' education. Oh, it's such a it's such a very timely subject. Uh, we are seeing so much evidence of harm, so much evidence of parental rights being violated, not only in Colorado but across the nation. And you know, for all of our listeners here uh, today, I encourage them to go to ColoradoParents.org and click on Get Involved. Uh, we uh, currently have 38 organizations and 38 school districts in the state uh, that represent parent and stakeholder concerns and are really we're, what we're, we're doing is rallying um, to provide credibility across the state for parents. And I am a parent in the Cherry Creek School District. I have seen my parental rights violated, um, you know, what, what Tamara was, was discussing and uh, around uh, being targeted. And um, I have uh, gone to Board of Education meetings personally. Um, I know of numerous other parents in the Cherry Creek School District and school districts across the state, uh, Pooter School District, D6 in Greeley, um, it, just all these different districts where um, parents are targeted if they, if they are objecting to something that the district is doing, they are labeled as a racist, as a white supremacist, as militia. Um, and, and that is not what parents are. Pa we are the parents. These are our children. Um, and what we're, we're seeing is a, a great need um, for parents to get engaged and get involved. And I'm so grateful that FreedomWorks is bringing in this workshop uh, that we have a blessing to co-host with them um, to really educate and inform the community about their legal rights and uh, how they can move forward when the door is being slammed in their face. So districts across the state for the last two years have just made a, a general practice of denying, uh, lying and ignoring 
situations and they're violating district policy. We've you know, immersed ourselves in school board policy um, in in particular for me in the Cherry Creek School District, and um, I could easily pull 10 policies right now that are being violated every week um, with no recourse and no no follow-up. So um, this opportunity to connect with the experts on our parental rights is probably the most critical thing parents can do this weekend. If they can attend the event on Sunday at St. Thomas More Church, 2.30 to 4.30, doors open at 2.00. Um, it, it's going to be a, a wonderful resource, and we encourage everyone to come and bring a friend. And it is a, a free event, by the way. I'm looking forward to emceeing this coming Sunday. Tamara Farah, a Senior Advisor to Freedom Works, Parents Know Best. Uh, when we look at the, the the issues that keep coming up with parental rights. I know you're going to delve into this more in greater depth, but let's just just on a surface level, what have you noticed or have you learned um, from your own experience um, and, and and from the work that you've done as far as what maybe are one or two little tidbits that parents should keep in mind in this day and age when it comes to their rights and kids' education? Something's going on with the phones there. We're going to get that sorted back out here on the Stefan Tubb Show. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Stefan Tubbs here on News Talk 710-KNUS. You know, it really is one of those issues where you can see a resurgence in the push for parents' rights in education very prominently, particularly since COVID-19. It sounds yeah. like we may have them. Tamara Farah, you there? Yeah. Can okay. you hear me now? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay, great. Yes. No, it's such a good question. I think the biggest thing we want to encourage parents to do is stay on offense and know, be confident that they are right about their rights <laughs> and that they are free to exercise them and to stand up for their children and to push back against, frankly, woke cultural issues in the classroom. 77% of kids, according to the nation's report card this last year, are not proficient in math or, or reading after being in the school system for 13 years. Okay, we have a, an academic crisis in this country, and the woke cultural focus in the classroom, there's no way that that is helping our situation. Those topics about around gender and identity should be had at home. If kids want to talk about it amongst themselves at school, that's very different than teachers taking classroom time to bring up the topic using the power of suggestion, which is very distracting for kids. And so this is all that it's about. We're not against people. We're not against personal choices. We're not against any race, color, or creed. We are very much in favor of true diversity, okay? And and le- we are against racism on all levels. Or is academic excellence that trains children to be prepared for their future. That's what we're for. And so parents deserve the right to come to the classroom according to the Every Student Succeeds Act, and you'll learn more about this on Sunday, and observe and or volunteer and see if you think that's happening to, according to the Protection of Pupil Rights Act, to review all curriculum, which includes teacher training, lesson plans, 
things that teachers even write on a board from their notes. So you have a right as a parent to know what that your child is being taught at every level. Um, and so these are just a few rights. You can do exercise those well, with um, kindness and, and graciousness. We don't need to get angry even if we feel angry. Sure. We need to be adults about it. Well, well, um, but we need to exercise our rights. You're, you're right. But one thing that's just so sad, Tamara Farah, Freedom Works, Parents Know Best, is that Right now, we are seeing parents in Colorado have to use the Colorado Open Records Act request to get access to certain curriculum materials, and sometimes that doesn't even do the trick. Right. I know. And and it's just fertile for lawsuits. I mean, if, if parents had the wherewithal or the connections um, with legal entities that might consider taking on these cases or even a class action type, type of case around these issues... Um, were put on defense because they're actually, um, it's very clear, the law is very clear. Federal law is very clear what their rights are. But we've seen this since day one. Schools are ignoring, many schools are ignoring the laws. Even, you know, like you said, public records requests at the state level, uh, FOIAs at the national, federal level, but, or they're, they're just not responding to those requests. Or yeah. they're asking for a lot of money to provide uh you know, the information requested. So, yes, lots of shenanigans from the schools yeah. and the districts, but we can't give up the fight. Lori Gimmelstein with the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network. Are there one or two tidbits that you can, and maybe this is sort of a preview, you're going to be leading a panel on this on Sunday uh, in regards to fighting back against school overreach, but what are one or two big lessons that you have learned so far from, from CPAN and from your own work, and you were talking about Cherry Creek School Districts, as far as what parents can actually do to push back against school over, uh, school overreach? Uh, well, I think one of the very first things parents should be doing is uh, taking the necessary steps to opt their children out of any surveys, exercises, or assignments um, that are not academically focused. Um, so, for example, at the beginning of the school year, uh, I sent in an email um, to all of my oldest child's teachers and counselors and indicated that we are we're requesting that he be opted out of any surveys, exercises, and assignments, and then we listed some keywords um, around his. I, we do we do not want our child disclosing his gender, his sexuality to teachers. It's inappropriate. Um, and uh, it was interesting that my request was actually to see the surveys or exercises or assignments, um, and then I would make the decision if he would be opting into those. Um, and I've only received one copy of a survey from a teacher all year, yet my son comes home on a weekly basis saying that he's not allowed to participate in, in these class activities. So they're happening on a weekly basis. These, this is in Cherry Creek Schools. Uh, my son is a sophomore. And so um, thankfully, they are respecting the opt-out uh, for him in other, other situations uh, that families have done this opt-out procedure. Um, they are still getting the survey. So it's super important to stay vigilant. Um, I encourage you to, to request a, a meeting with your child's teacher um, so that you can get a great impression of, you know, where they are, you know, what their thoughts are uh, academically. Uh, we're seeing in, in across the district, across Cherry Creek School District, 
Um, and in other districts in the state, we're starting to see the offices of diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, start to implement what are called equity teams into each school. Um, and, and teachers are reaching out to Colorado Parent Advocacy Network, uh, sharing that, you know, for a, a while they've been able to get to be able to teach and not do the controversial uh, topics. However, now with these equity teams in place, teachers feel threatened and forced to have to do this work. Otherwise, they'll have a poor performance review, possibly mm. not get renewed. Um, and so two things. Opt your child out of surveys, exercises, and assignments. We can help with that at coloradoparents.org. Uh, all you have to do is sign up, get involved, and one of our um, volunteer members will reach out to you and help you to complete that survey. We have some sample surveys on, on our website as well. And there's many other really phenomenal organizations um, that you can uh, link to right from our website, including FreedomWorks Parents Know Best, Parents Defending Education, Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, all of those websites are right on our website. It's just simply click on parents and they're all right there for you to get Great. resources that are really beneficial. Laura Gimmelstein with Colorado Parent Advocacy Network is co-hosting this coming Sunday's event along with FreedomWorks Parents Know Best and uh, Tamara Fair, our other guest. And, and Tamara, as we are just about out of time here, I wanted to get a quick reaction from you to uh, Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee apparently digging into these domestic terrorist claims that were pushed by the Biden administration against parents. Your thoughts on that briefly, and then can you recap? for us what's coming up on Sunday as far as where and when and so forth. Absolutely. Thank you, Jimmy. And thank you, Lori. I love being on this show with you, Lori. And we're so thrilled for what CPAN is doing in the state of Colorado. Um, Jim Jordan, this is fantastic. Thank goodness uh, we have the House and they're actually utilizing uh, their position, their role as they should by having these various hearings and committee hearings and holding uh, different entities accountable that have not been held accountable now for the last several years, which is very disturbing as Americans for us to see that. Um, the department, you know, the NSBA in cahoots with the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland, as you said, uh, coming out and calling parents domestic terrorists is just so low. It's such a low blow. You know, it is so completely erroneous. It, it's almost like a, you know, a kindergarten playguard, uh, playground taunt. It, it's like mind-blowing uh, that one of our top legal agencies in the country would stoop to that level uh, no, and, and create these talking points and sound bites to intimidate. So I think it's fantastic that they're shining a light on it and that we're going to get to hear some of the statements that are made, hopefully. They don't just obfuscate uh, when they're asked questions. But this is the type of accountability that we need right now. It's gone way too far. So, yes, Jimmy, thank you. We, again, want to mention uh, people can sign up. It's totally free, this event. We are so pleased to host you. Uh, ParentsKnowBest.com. Click on events, current events. You'll see it right there. And please register so we can plan for your attendance. Um, and we just look so forward to having you come. As Lori mentioned, doors are open at 2, and the event goes from 2.30 to 4.30. And I guarantee you it will be worth your time 
because what we are presenting to you is, yes, mm-hmm. informational and educational, right. but it is also motivational. So we hope to see you there. Power to the Parents event happening this Sunday at St. Thomas More Catholic Church. Uh, I'm looking forward to and appreciate the invitation to uh, help MC the event this Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, Tamara, Lori, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the both of you there. It's going to be a great time, and it is so very important to discuss this and to really break it down in detail, as I expect will happen on Sunday. So, once again, Tamara Farah with Freedom Works Parents Know Best and Lori Gimmelstein with the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network. Thank you both so much for your time today. Really appreciate it, and I'll see you Sunday. See you Sunday. Thank Thank you. Thank you both. Once again, Tamara and Lori joining us from the Power to the Parents event coming up this Sunday afternoon. I've been doing a lot of work over the last year and a half on uh, columns in particular talking about parental rights and education and um, exposing problems and ranging from Denver Public Schools to Cherry Creek Schools to Jefferson County schools and and beyond. There's so much that is going on that must be addressed and parents need to be equipped with those tools. We need to have these discussions and there's a lot more to be exposed as well. That's for darn sure. 303-696-1971. Let's open up the lines as we go to break here at the bottom of the hour. 303-696-1971. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Stefan Tubbs here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. We're about 23 minutes before 6 o'clock. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. John Hyatt bringing us back. News Talk 710 KNUS. I'm filling in for Stefan Tubbs today. Good to be with you. Now, I know a place where there's absolute chaos, where it is beyond a crisis, and it is called the southern border. And yet, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, still cannot acknowledge that the border is in crisis. And now we know that two of the four U.S. citizens that were kidnapped in the border city of Matamoros were found dead Tuesday and two others alive, one of them injured, according to Mexican authorities. More on that in a moment. Listen to what Secretary Mayorkas said in an interview in the last day or two, and it's no surprise, but it's like, dude, get with the program. What the hell are you doing? It's your job, Mr. Homeland Security Secretary. Many of your opponents call it a border crisis. Do you consider it a crisis in the Biden administration? Christian, the, the, the issues that we have are extraordinarily diverse. You know, I spoke about extreme weather events. I spoke about cybersecurity. You and I have now exchanged about the threat of adverse nation states. Uh, that seek to infringe on our and other countries' sovereignty. You know, 20 years ago when our department was created, it was the foreign terrorists. We now have the challenge of a domestic violent extremists. When we speak about the border, we have to put it in context, that this is not a challenge, and it is indeed a challenge, not a challenge exclusive to the United States. You know, Chile uh, just deployed its military to its border. 
Colombia has 2.5 million Venezuelans within its borders. Costa Rica's population is increasingly Nicaraguan. We are seeing a movement of people throughout the hemisphere and, quite frankly, throughout the world that is historic. I don't think I heard an answer there, Mr. Secretary. You were asked if you think it's crisis, and yet you're not given that answer. Reading from the Wall Street Journal, Latavia Tay McGee was found alive unharmed while Eric James Williams was alive with a major wound in his left leg. The survivors were handed over Tuesday to U.S. authorities at the border bridge between Matamoros and Brownsville, Texas. The survivors were found at a brick hut in a field on the outskirts of Matamoros, and the bodies of the other two, the, the two others, were found in the field. Mexican authorities didn't name the two who were killed pending notification of their families. This is clearly the cartels, and that's what's undergirding so much of the violence at the border, so much of the chaos at the border. The four Americans from South Carolina, according to the journal, were kidnapped Friday, shortly after crossing into Matamoros, across the U.S. border from Brownsville, Texas. The van they were traveling in was fired on by armed men who forced them into another van and fled, according to the U.S. and Mexican officials. The attack happened a few blocks from the U.S. consulate in Matamoros and about a mile from U.S. border crossings. Thank God that the two who made it alive made it back alive. But first of all, be very smart in what you're doing if you want to go if you need to go to Mexico and where you're going to go like it, it is it is very very risky but this is endemic of the problems that we're seeing at the southern border the crisis at the southern border whether Mayorkas wants to admit it or not absolute crisis at the southern border and the cartels show or the, the the cartels hand fingerprints are over everything that happens at the southern border and the more that the Biden administration persists in its refusal to take this seriously to even acknowledge that it's a crisis and to crack down at the border the more license these cartels have to continue bra- being so brazen against Americans and against Mexicans and against All these other Latin American countries that you have illegal immigrants coming from. It exacerbates a humanitarian crisis for the Biden administration to act the way that they are. And it is just stunning, plain and simple. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Stefan Tubbs. What are your thoughts on this? The crisis at the southern border, the return of two kidnapped Americans while two others have died. 303-696-1971. Again, Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. One of the most beautiful classic rock songs of all time, Simple Man from Leonard Skinner, as we return Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. As we now know... 
that all original members of Skinner have passed away since Gary Rossington, guitarist extraordinaire, died at the age of 71 on Sunday. Very tragic loss for the music world. Good to be with you here on 710-KNUS. Alexa texting in, an important fact to keep in mind, the more immigration, the larger the drug cartel becomes. I would modify that slightly and say the more illegal immigration, the larger the drug cartel becomes. She goes on. Let's not forget about all the sex and child trafficking along with rape happening to the immigrants. The right needs to scream that we need to stop illegal immigration so we can help save many people a day from human and sex trafficking and at least eight Coloradans a day from dying due to fentanyl. Just like the exponential growth of homelessness and crime, it is going to be hard to reduce all of these problems. Last I heard, drug cartels don't just give up their business. I think that's very well said, and I couldn't agree more. This is a humanitarian disaster that the left allows to perpetuate, not just at the southern border, but south of the border, when we have inaction at the border. The humanitarian disaster only gets worse the more that it is allowed to fester the more that illegal immigration is allowed to fester. Must, it must be addressed. It must be handled. It must be stopped. Make no mistake about it. Now, Kamala Harris is the vice president of the United States, and she was just here in Denver yesterday for a climate summit and there was a rather odd story cringy story that Harris told yesterday about conservatives and her mom take a listen to this how has your life shaped your work on climate and the environment well starting I guess from birth I, I am um, I was born in Oakland California and um, so, which is in the heart of the Bay Area in California, and the Bay Area takes great pride in being one of the birthplaces of the environmental movement. Um, I grew up learning about, we, we called it ecology at the time. <laughs> and so some of us who were born around that time know what I'm saying. <laughs> and, um, and we talked about it in the context of, conservation. In fact, I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's, why are conservatives bad, mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. (laughs) I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. (laughs) Um, That cackle. I mean, it's just, it's kind of creepy. Whenever that happens. And that that was such a cringy answer to that question. Such a cringy story. Are we supposed to believe that she actually came home from school as a little little girl and said, Mommy, why are conservatives bad? Don't we just want to conserve? 
<laughs> I mean, this is the vice president of the United States, mind you. And this was yesterday right here in our state of Colorado. <clears throat> you just can't make this stuff up. You know what you also can't make up? So this week, this over the past week, uh, I guess it was last week, the Biden administration announced that they would be, that Biden would sign into law if the Senate passes it, a bill overriding an absolutely monstrous crime law, just dumb, destructive crime law put into place by the city council in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, because it's the District of Columbia, the federal government has oversight and can undo anything that the city government does. So the city council there passed a bill, uh, passed an ordinance into law that was very weak on crime. And they say, okay, if the Senate passes a bill overriding D.C., we're going to sign it into law. Well, it's interesting because Biden also is opposed to, uh, or supports rather, making Washington, D.C. a state. Karine Jean-Pierre, White House press secretary, was asked a question relative to this. We believe D.C. should be a statehood. I mean, we've been very clear. The president has been very clear. Again, D.C. is not a state. It's not a city. Uh, the reason why this bill was coming before, before the president is because that is the case, right? It's not a state. It's not a city. So does not mean that it stops our support for uh, their statehood? Uh, it should have said no there. She said no. So they want statehood for Washington, D.C., which, by the way, is flatly unconstitutional. The District of Columbia is literally created in the Constitution— meaning it cannot be a state. But the contradiction here is thus. Joe Biden wants to make D.C. a state, and yet the all-knowing, all-powerful federal government is with his signature going to override Washington, D.C.'s law. How is it that you can support statehood on the one hand for Washington, D.C., but on the other hand, override what that city has decided to do. Isn't that a complete contradiction? And yet, no, as we heard there from Corinne Jean-Pierre, they still are talking out of both sides of their mouth. You know, the left is critical of him over this, and I find it rather entertaining but D.C. should not become a state, and it is not a state. Cannot become a state, rather. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Professor Ilya Soma will help us break down last week's Supreme Court case on student debt. Stay with us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.